Dive into the thriving local arts, entertainment, and food scene with coasting editor Jerry Boggs and his guests. Let us be your guide to the creative South Coast. Welcome back to another Coast in the Podcast. We're back in the tiny podcast studio at the Standard Times, and we have Patrice Tiedemann with us today. Uh, welcome back, Patrice. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And when Patrice comes into the podcast studio, we always know there's a concert going on. <laughs> so not, not that, I'm not cooking that, up something. Yeah, not that you only come to us when, uh, you know, when you have a concert going on, but uh, <laughs> that's the most exciting time. Mm-hmm. So what, uh, what do we have up from Seaglass Theater next? Well, um, next week we are doing uh, Return to Camelot, the music of Lerner and Lowe, and we're presenting that in two locations. It's the first time we've ever, ever done oh, wow. this. Uh, so August 20th, on the Tuesday of next week, we will be on the Cape at the Dennis Union Church in Dennis, Mass. And then on Thursday, August 22nd, we will be at the First Congregational Church in Fairhaven. And for those of you who've attend, who attended our Bernstein concert last spring, this is the same location. Now, this wasn't where we were originally supposed to be. We were supposed to be at the Roach Jones Stuff House and Garden Museum uh, with Don Salerno and for our sixth year, mm. sixth year being there, and um, because of Triple E oh, yeah. and the uh, mosquitoes, yeah. we have to uh, move indoors. Because it's it's a kind of an evening concert, so there would be exactly some it starts at seven bad things and buzzing around, yeah, exactly. And there were some concerns from some of the patrons that were uh, per, had already purchased tickets and were planning on attending the concert. And Dawn and I made a decision together to move it to another location for this year. Sadly, but yeah, we're seeing a lot. You know, the there's a lot of Marion party was canceled. There's a lot of events like that that are being mm-hmm. altered to kind of mm-hmm. make sure everybody stays safe. So. Exactly. So I, I went into my Rolodex <laughs> of people that I knew who had buildings <laughs> and said, what can you do for me? Um, can you help me out? And um, Reverend McClure and the staff at the Congregational Church were great and said, no, not a problem. And, I, you know, we know we know already, you know, doing a concert there exactly what the layout is so that's that's good for us too and, and you know the acoustics are good and, exactly. and things are going to sound right and it's going to be the right thing for the customer exactly yeah. and you know that the interesting thing i was talking to the secretary today and um you know doing a program about camelot well when you think about camelot you think of all this intricate carving well if you've ever been inside that church mm-hmm. it's gorgeous dark wood all intricately carved and very much in the style of um the king arthur and the knights of the round table so maybe this was uh you know, a, a good happy thing that happened out of a, you know, some yeah. kind of a bummer, yeah. kind of a thing. And you know, you also say Camelot, and I think of the Kennedys, so I think it's kind of apropos that you're going yes. to the Cape. That's kind of fun. Yes, yes. Um, we just we decided this year to go to the Cape. Um, in my earlier years in my career, I did a lot of work for Cape Cod Opera, and did a lot of concerts for them and full productions. And um, they quietly shut down a few years ago. And I'm still in touch with a lot of the people that worked for the company and were volunteers and, and said, you know, I want to try to bring, bring Seaglass there as well. I, I really think that what we're doing in programming could be, could be fun on the Cape and 
let's try it. And we had a, a nice connection at the Dennis Union Church, and Maggie Bossy is the music director there, and I know her from years and years ago in the music business, and um, one thing led to another, and... Um, we were getting set up there. Fun. And, yeah, and it's air-conditioned. So <laughs> if you would all like to travel to the Cape and have a nice meal on the Cape and sit in an air-conditioned church, it's uh, that's the first night. We'll nice, be that night. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again... I, to go back, to go away from the Kennedys, that's not the Camelot you're traveling to. You're not taking people to that to to the uh, to the but Jackie to, O Camelot. No, no. But you know the interesting thing. Um, I have three books on my on my bedside table, all about Lerner and Lowe. I'm, I'm doing deep dives. Mm. I've been doing that now for a couple of months, and now I'm just kind of refreshing my memory on a couple of things. And um, it keeps coming up that I that the reason why they called um, the Kennedy administration Camelot was because he was really a big fan of that show, and Camelot premiered hmm. right and during the time of the Kennedy administration. Fun and there, facts with Patrice. Yes, <laughs> and in the fa- in the finale of Camelot, there is a speech by King Arthur that talks about how. You know, because at that point he's lost Guinevere. Um, she's gone into a nunnery. Lancelot is taken off of France, and and he has this this speech where he says, "Let us be reminded about the knights and the things that we fought for, for justice, for equ- you know, for equality." And and so I think that you know maybe that resonated with mm. the Kennedy administration. I put it in the show because I thought in this time and yeah. era where we're every every day it's you know <laughs> there's so much angst and it, people have a lot of feelings mm-hmm. right now and. And I wanted to put that speech in there about that no matter what goes on in life, that you know that we're still striving for those those things. So I'm going to admit to you that I don't have three Learner and Low books on my on my bedside table. Shame. Yeah. Shame. <laughs> so, so tell me about Learner and Low. So um, Alan J. Lerner and Fritz Lowe. Uh, Lerner was the lyricist of the team. And they met in a funny way. Um, Lerner had gone to Harvard. He was um, a classmate of Leonard Bernstein and and came from that kind of... Um, you know, background, and he, they were. He was at the Lambs Club in New York City in 1942, and it's like the private, like a private club. And Lowe happened, and Fritz Lowe was was a great deal older than him. I think like a 15 15 year difference. But he ended up on a wrong turn to the bathroom, and happened to see Lerner and said, "Oh, you're a lyricist, aren't you?" And he said, "Yes, I am." And that's how they met. Wow. And then they, you know. You know what? Couple, you know, different things happened, but they ended up collaborating. And uh, their first two musicals weren't weren't so hot that they did together. They were kind of doing things for the, the first one was for like a summer stock company, and uh, you know was not very successful. The next one ran for about a week <laughs> on Broadway. It's not a good run. Um, and then the next one after that, in 1945, was the day before spring. <laughs> which was their first, what we would call a modest modest hit. It ran for a year. And we're actually doing three songs from that show in a medley, oh, cool. uh, the, song, um, the Day Before Spring, and You Haven't Changed It All, and I Love You, uh, love you This Morning. And so we're doing those. And then the next big hit after that was, was Brigadoon, which is, I think, when you say to people, Lerner and Lowe, they think My Fair Lady yeah. or Camelot. Um, but there's also Brigadoon. But that was, that was a big movie, though, with Gene Kelly, yeah, yeah. Sid Charisse. Um, You know, Paint Your Wagon, Gigi. Uh, you know, those are some of their other big hits. You know, we'll be singing songs from all of those, plus some of their, 
their unusual things, like I said, like the day before spring. And then, you know, they had a, a fairly good working relationship with each other. I think from what I've been reading, uh, you know, they're very different personalities, um, but they knew how to work together. I think they brought out the best in each other. And but then you know had, there was a point after you know Camelot that Fritz Lowe was like okay I'm I'm done for now <laughs> and then they kind of met back up again in '73 when Gigi which is their only musical that started out as a movie hmm. was going to become a Broadway vehicle so then Fritz Lowe kind of uh, came back into Lerner's life to work on that with him and then The Little Prince and then that was pretty much pretty much it for that partnership but Lerner Lerner did work with other people which is kind of interesting when you you know comparing what what the output was between working with Fritz Lowe and then working with other composers oh yeah mm. um so I'm sure that you've you know y- your career you've had quite a bit of experience with uh with their work and performing their work yes what drew you to to return to Camelot for this summer um, I, I have a crazy mind, and <laughs> who knows? Sometimes things just come to me, and I and I said, you know, um, after last summer where we had done lots of like vintage beach blanket bingo kind of songs at the RJD, I said to Dawn, you know, what, what should we do next? What should we do? And what do you, what do you think's the next thing? And she said, well, you know, you haven't done a Broadway show here in a while, and you know, people have asked us about that, and I said, okay. That sounds sounds good to me. And then I said, hmm, do we just do kind of like a little bit of this and a little bit of that? And I said, no, let's do um, let's do a particular uh, composition team. And it just so happens that Alan J. Lerner's hundredth birthday was uh, the end of August, nineteen eighteen. Huh? So I said, okay, so this is sort of kind of the end yeah. of the year. Well, I mean, with the Bernstein, I mean, it was the same thing. It was yeah. his hundredth birthday, and how many organizations oh, celebrated everywhere. that birthday for yeah. a year? They're yes. still a little bit still trickling. So I figured, well, all right. So Alan Lerner gets a birthday cake, yeah, still through to here, and um, there's such a wealth of gorgeous music. And my first experience with their music was in high school, uh, because you know I often you know, tell people I'm a product of the New Bedford <laughs> public school system. And, um, you know, Armin and George that run festival theater, they mm-hmm. were the drama club directors then. And the show my senior year was my fair lady. Ah. So that was my first, um, first experience with it. And of course, you know, being a, a theater kid in high school, when your directors announce the show in the spring, mm-hmm. you scurry to <laughs> find, you know, to find things, yeah. uh, on the show and to listen to the album and to prepare. And so pick, I pick who you want to be. Pick who you want to be. And so I, I was uh, fortunate to be Mrs. Pierce in that production for them. And I learned so much about that show hmm. and about uh, the grandeur of that show from them. And so you know that that one has a a tender spot in my heart. Very cool. And we, and we know it's not a sea glass production without some uh, some great talent with you. Yes. So yes. who 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 are we going to be uh, wowed by? <laughs> well, all of them, all of them. <laughs> Me, I'm just the second string. But um, I have um, Dennis Schumann, our tenor, in the production. He was in the Bernstein. So those of you who went to the Bernstein production and were wowed by him singing Maria, I mean, it was just tremendous. He's just such a tremendous singer. He's been bopping around the country singing a lot of magic flute and for different opera companies and spending some time in Georgia and doing a bunch of things. But he's back. 
Uh, he's flying in this weekend, and he's he's back for this concert, and so he's going to take over the uh, the tenor responsibilities mm-hmm. in this show. So he gets to sing the title song nice. in in Gigi, which uh, was one which was the song that uh, won Learner and Low an Academy Award for that for that movie uh, for the song in the movie. So he's in it, and then we have some. Um, then we have Paul Soper, who's also returning. He was in our very first concert here at Sea Glass in uh, Classical Christmas. And he's doing the uh, what we call the curmudgeon track. <laughs> so he's doing Henry Higgins. He's doing King Arthur. He's also singing Ben Rumson in Paint Your Wagon. So, you know, you see a pattern here. I said to Paul, now, I said, I need you because you do this better than anybody. But, you know, but you are in the curmudgeon, <laughs> the curmudgeon role. But those are such, such juicy, uh, you know, you get to have so much fun with, with the roles like that. It's, oh, uh, ab- I mean, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes people say, well, you know, that's nothing gratifying for a singer. I mean, Rex Harrison chatted his way through uh, Professor Higgins. But it is written. It is written musically. It hmm. isn't written just to talk and rhythm. It has, There's actual notes there. And so I've said, you know, in interpret this the way that you feel is right for you and he's you know the the king arthur i mean to give him that that speech that we were talking about yeah i said i I really trust this to you i think this is going to be great uh and then we have two debuts nice so you know it's an interesting thing how the business has evolved since i've been in it way back in 1906 (laughs) um when i started out in the business you had to mail your stuff to everybody and you know there were live auditions so much of the business now is done digitally yeah and funny story uh the uh, the soprano who's singing eliza and fiona and brigadoon and um gigi and gigi and guinevere I found her through her website. Oh, wow. um, I knew of her through friends who, you know, this this business is very small. Yeah, you know, it's six six degrees. <laughs> everybody knows everybody somehow, or you know their friends. And I had known of her, but I found her website and listened to her and fell in love with her voice. And I said, here is um, a classically trained singer who sings opera and also then turns around and sings the national anthem for the Patriots mm. and for the New England Revolution and sings jazz gigs and sings pop, you know, some pop yeah. tunes and pop musical theater. And so I said, this is exactly what a sea glass artist is. Yeah, Someone no who's kidding. really yeah. flexible, great attitude. Um, we've already had a rehearsal together. And uh, she and I are going to do um, a song from Lerner's last production that he did with Charles Strauss. Now you know Charles Strauss from Annie. and So they did a, Lerner did a production with him in 1983 called Dance a Little Closer. And there's a song in it called No Man is Worth It. And it's kind of funny because yeah. in the song it's really very negative about men and all the mistakes <laughs> that they make and what women put up with them. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because Lerner himself had eight wives, so apparently <laughs> he didn't get it quite right either. Yeah. And so this, you know, that show kind of is like him saying, yeah, it was kind of these things. <laughs> so Jen and I get to do this song, which is, you know, a little different than when people think of Lerner and Lowe. They think all oh, this lush melody yeah. and, and that type of thing so I hired her off off of um, off of her digital materials and it's paid off she's she's really wonderful I think people are going to enjoy her and her name again her name is Jennifer Caroluzzi okay and then finally we also have now the man of the hour who's going to sing if ever I would leave you because how can you have a learner in low show without the song that was made famous by Robert Goulet mm-hmm. you know Robert Goulet was uh, an unknown when they um, hired him for this show. You know, they're like, we need a strapping, good-looking guy with a killer voice. And um, they put him in the show as Lancelot, and his career just took off from that show. 
and that made his that made his career. And I mean, he, he how many times did he sing "If Ever I Would Leave You" <laughs> in his career? Um, so Leroy Davis is a, a young baritone. He ha, he's in the BU Opera Institute. Uh, my music director is on the faculty at the BU Opera Institute, so he often he always has his ears out, and he yeah. will say, "You should work with this one, or we might want to work with this one because they've got." what we're looking for, which is a lot of flexibility, um, an interest in this, in, you know, kind of, you know, this repertoire and ability to flip back and forth between Mm. classical and musical theater and not to be afraid of that. Yeah. And so Leroy, Leroy just came back. He was at Opera Theater of St. Louis this summer. He was a young artist there doing a world premiere, I believe, and some other, other things. And he's coming back into the BU program and going to be featured in some leading roles in that this season. Very cool. Yeah. I'm I'm getting him before he flies off (laughs) and becomes this major uh, opera star. Before he becomes Robert Goulet. Before he becomes Robert Goulet, that's right, right. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, so uh, let's do a little just kind of housekeeping stuff. Uh, sure. Date and time, tickets, all of the sure. necessary details that uh, folks need to know when they want to come come hear it. Well, because they're going to run. They're going to run. It's Learner and Low. It's going to be great. <laughs> and, you know, and one of the things I think, you know, I th- people haven't kind of gar- gleaned it by now, um, it's not just Camelot. You know, it's, it's you're doing kind of some some really – you know, if you're a fan of musical theater, you're going to like these songs because it's not, Correct. you know, kind of one production. It's not one show. It, it's, it's some kind right. of, I wouldn't call it greatest hits because you have some deep cuts to go, uh, we do, we to go do. kind of off the rails. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, so if you're looking, I always say to people, if you're coming to the concert and you want to hear, uh, I could have danced all night and if ever I would leave you and almost like being in love, you are going to hear those pieces. Um, but there's also the collaborations that Lerner did with Burton Lane. So we have a selection from On a Clear Day, You Can See Forever. Because, you know, Alan Lerner was very in, into ESP. Oh. He was very into the afterlife and ESP, and he always wanted to do a show about it. And Fritz Lowe was really? like, are you kidding me? He was very Viennese, and he's like, are you? I'm not doing this crap. And Burton Lane was like, no, let's do it. So they wrote On a Clear Day, which, of course, the movie, I mean, everybody, you know, knows knows the movie with Barbara Streisand. Mm-hmm. But this is from the Broadway from the Broadway stage version. And I've always wanted to do do that piece from it because you need some killer singers yeah, and I have, I have you know some killer singers, um, and then we have some other pieces from um, learners collaborate other collaborations. He did he did quite a bit with Burton Lane, cool that type of thing. But if you're interested in hearing not only the big hits mm-hmm. from Learner and Low, but also hearing Learner's collaborations with other artists and what he did, um, the the first concert will be this coming Tuesday. That's at the Dennis Union Church. And the date is? That is August 20th. August 20th, And yes. it's at 7 o'clock. And the way that we do it is um, we have advanced tickets um, still running, and it gives you a $5 discount. It's $20 if you buy them ahead of time, the day before that window shuts down, mm-hmm. and then you can buy them at the door for 25 yeah. um, And it's first come, first serve, general seating. You know, if you want to be right up up close and personal, if you want to be in get the in back. Line. Yeah. Exactly. Just get in line and come sit both um, both locations are handicap accessible. Mm-hmm. So if you have someone with you with limited mobility, you are absolutely welcome at both places. We will. We, there is a way to get you in the door, and we will take good care of you. Oh, perfect. 
Um, and then Thursday, it's the change from the Roach-Jones Duff House mm-hmm. Museum. We are now at the First Congregational Church in Fairhaven. That's on Center Street. It's right across the street from the Fairhaven Town Hall. So there's parking on the street, but there are handicap accessible parking spaces. There's an elevator to get uh, to get into the building, to get into the sanctuary. And, um, you know, it's the same thing with the tickets there and, well. and they're available through your website? They are available. If you go on to seaglasstheater.com, there's a link to click. You can also go directly onto brown paper tickets mm-hmm. and type in return to Camelot, and it will show both both performance days. And your Seaglass Theater ER? R-E? Yes, E-R. E-E-R not, E-R not the yes. British uh, theater. You know? yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's a... Uh, you know, journalists are we adhere to the AP style Bible, and so it mm-hmm. says ER, but if it's a proper name, it's <laughs> New Bedford New Bedford Festival Theater. Yes, well, they do. Yeah, yes, they so. do T R E. But uh, so yeah, anytime they're, I type they're it, much fancier than I am. So <laughs> in, anytime I'm looking at my uh, URL window, I'm like, is it ER? Is it RE? So I just wanted to clarify for. And I think I think my metrics make it point to me, no matter which yeah, way you, you point it in. Good. Um, but so you know, people can get advance tickets if they want, or they can buy them at the door. And um, perfect. You know, we hope to see a lot of people. We have a lot of interesting things planned going forward uh, for the company. We've got we've got a really cool project in November that I'm going to come back and talk to you about. Nice. And uh, we're planning beyond that. And I always like to hear. You know, I think the last time we talked, we talked a lot about kind of your curatorial process of kind of the how how deeply you go into kind of arranging the lineup and mm-hmm. I don't know maybe then we compared it to the idea of like you know back in the good old days making a mixtape mm-hmm. where you got to figure out you know which song follows which song and which mm-hmm. song will carry the mood and which song kind of breaks the the mood and, exactly. and changes over to a new mood and things like that well you know what's funny is that when they started Camelot Camelot when it was in its out of town tryout when they were working on it in Toronto it was four hours long oh yeah, and the joke was it was it's as long as the opera Tristan and Isolde, but with not nearly the same happy ending. And of course, if you know Tristan and Isolde, there was no happy ending. So that was the joke, and they had to do a lot, a lot, a lot of trimming wow. and cutting, and that's kind of the same process. I always start very wide. I mm-hmm. say, okay, learner and low. What you know, and then and I think about the people that are working for me. What do they do well? What would oh, really yeah. showcase them? What would what is meaning? What would be meaningful? And I also try not to give people anything that is not useful for their careers. Hmm. So I try to give them songs and say, "Hey, put this in your back pocket. You might need to use this at some point." That's an interesting, you know, kind of like you know, I did sports for ten years. So pardon my uh, going back to there for the metaphor, but it's like a coach crafting their game plan for the team not saying okay this is my favorite song you need to learn how to sing it right uh, exactly because i want to it's, do this song does regardless. this work for yeah. you but when i first had this program kind of laid out it was uh, about two and a half hours long mm. and we we try to keep them to about 45 minutes each set uh, so that people aren't um you know hanging around all night long you know no. our, our unofficial tagline is try us how horrible can it be <laughs> uh you know so it's like it's only an hour and a half of, of your life you know hopefully you will I say, if you love it, tell your friends. If you don't love it, don't tell anybody. Yeah, just keep your mouth shut. Just keep your mouth shut. Just walk on by. It's fine. I won't be offended. Um, but, you know, I had to do the same thing, which was trim down. And, and it's hard because you fall in love with it. And mm. there was things that they wrote that I had no idea that they had written written that music. I didn't I didn't remember for whatever reason that they had written the music to the Little Prince movie from the seventies. Huh. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Um and I you know, I always knew of the movie Royal Wedding. Mm-hmm. And Lerner wrote 
um, did did lyrics for that and was nominated for an Academy. It was his first Academy Award nomination for a song called "Too Late Now" that Jane Powell sang in the movie, and I'm going to sing that one. Oh, nice! But in in a, in a little bit of a lower, smokier key than Miss <laughs> Powell. She was she was kind of a, a light, very light soprano. But hmm. we're going to do that one. But that's the hard thing is that you cool. I, I start to fall in love with the output and and to think of it like I said from a high school kid who Armin and George introduced me to My Fair Lady and then you know and then knowing about all of these other now I feel safe to say that you've probably spent months you know reading the books and doing your research you do Mm -hmm. an incredible amount of research into these things Mm -hmm. Um, by the time the show's over you're like I'm learned and load out for the next like few months or will it still be in your car uh, you know when you're on a road trip oh it'll it'll be there because Mm -hmm. the uh, you know some of these songs I think you know I'll put in my rotation if I need them for a concert or thing but you know we said the same thing about the Bernstein last year and then after Seaglass's concert ended I still still had a couple of more appearances yeah. doing Bernstein repertoire. So the Bernstein year for me kept going and going <laughs> and going and going and it was a wonderful thing and I don't I don't get tired of it. I yeah. and I, I'll tell you right now you know the planning obviously for the learner low is done now it's just the execution of mm-hmm. the product. I'm knee deep in the research for the November show oh, wow. and I'm also in the beginning stages of the research for next fall which is the biggest project Seaglass has ever done and working on that so I'm already a, we call that a teaser in the it's a business. teaser yeah. yes yes that that one I can't talk about too much but that one will be the, probably the biggest thing we've done cool. yet with a lot more moving parts than I've ever done you, you know you mentioned Armand and, and it reminds me of talking to him last year and I think the day opening night uh, for their West Side Story show he was on the phone securing the rights for Mamma Mia for this year exactly but, you know what's the kind of the curtain rises obviously you're performing so it's not the same for you mm-hmm. but all of the all the groundwork uh, has to be in place long long in advance before uh, before most people kind of even realize what's going on yes yes and when you're in the show and producing it it's its own challenge yeah and one of the reasons I do do the shows right now is so that I'm the utility player I sing the alto lines in the ensembles I do a few solos to give the other people a break but basically I'm there to help them um, and just support them and so that it's more about them I highlight them on social media and push them to the forefront and but it's hard it's hard to do that producer cap and that performer cap at the same time I've learned a lot from festival theater from working in their shows and seeing Mm -hmm. how hard they've worked to produce and when George was in shows and being part of the administration oh yeah oh you know that was that's a hard thing and then you also have to put yourself in the audience seat and say okay what you know, you mentioned the, sh- the 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 songs that they come in ex- expecting to hear. Yes. So you have to also make sure that that you know the audience is served as well as your your fellow uh, performers. So it's uh, yes, so that there's something that's artistically satisfying for your performers, and then things that you know your audience will say, "Oh, I'm so glad you did that." And 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 here's the thing: when we've done compilation programs, there's always a tune or two that people have said, "Well, I wish you had done that one." When we you know we did the '60s show a couple years back at the RJD, we did a fair amount of uh, Beatles in medley. Mm-hmm. And people were like, oh, I wish you had done that. And I was like, the I've, Beatles have such a huge catalog. You know? <laughs> I've never been to a concert that somebody doesn't yell a song that the, you know, the artist doesn't sing. You know, that's part of the, you know, part right. of the fun is, is hoping that you're, you're going you know, to get that. odd 
um, kind of offbeat favorite is going to be part of the uh, part of the set list that night. So it's uh, it's very cool. So I, I always say I like to leave them a little bit of. Um, you know, as a director friend of mine said, you you give them the sugar, but you give them of a little medicine <laughs> at the same time too, so that you try to construct a program or a season. If you're planning a bunch of different productions, mm-hmm. you try to do a product. You know, so you have a big crowd like Mamma Mia. I mean, who doesn't love Mamma Mia? Yeah. And so that was you know big hit at the Zyterian, and then maybe then you now you have something that's a little you know this is a little different than that. You know, not on that grand scale mm-hmm. and you know, a little more focused on, you know, an inti- more intimate experience. But I think, you know, and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I think anybody, even whether you're kind of really into musical theater, you know, even if you don't immediately have Learner and Low and think, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. When you start talking about My Fair Lady and Camelot and mm-hmm. Gigi and all of these things, like you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I really like them. I may not know who they were. Right. We, we grew up like, with the movies. Yeah. You know, they used to be on on Sunday afternoons. Yeah. <laughs> or, I mean, uh, how, how did we encounter, I, I mean, obviously I'm dating myself here, but I was still a young young child when variety shows were still a big deal. Mm-hmm. And all of these stars, I mean, Robert Goulet was singing If Ever I Would Leave yeah. You on every variety show that there was. And, you know, people go on talk shows and perform, and that's how you get kind of introduced to that. Or people will say to me, I had no idea that that song was from such and such. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure a lot of people who grew up in choirs or, or chorals or things like that probably performed a lot of these songs, you know, at a, at a smaller level, mm-hmm. you know, even when they were younger. So it's kind of, uh, you know, a lot of touchstones for uh, for people. So Right. And when I'm teaching young singers, you know, they, they come in, what do they all want to do? They want to do Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> uh, they want to do uh, Wicked. They want to do the things, Hamilton. Um, and I say to them, but you need to have these in your book, too. Yeah. And they say, but why, why? And I said, because here's the other thing. And my music director made this point to me. This music is for real serious singers. You have to have some serious chops to sing on the street where you live, which we're also doing. Dennis is going <laughs> to sing that one. I mean, but you have to have a real, you know, grounded significant amount of training yeah. to do that. I mean, it's, you know, to put them over well. And my thing is I, I want to present them, this is how they were done back then. This was when a Broadway show had a singing chorus and a dancing mm. uh, core. And yeah. so there were people who were there specifically because they could hold five and six part harmony and then dancers who were spectacular dancers. Yeah. Now the business has changed a little bit. Now you kind of have to be able to do a little bit of everything, um, you know, depending on the show's demands. I mean, if you're in Hamilton, you really have to be a spectacular all around. Yeah. Triple threat, as yeah. they say. So it, it's good to, and I introduce these to my students and say, you have to have these in your book. You need to have some of this. And that's also the classics that are always going to be performed. So. That's you know, right. If you want a job, <laughs> that's right. I mean, if you want to get paid to, to sing, you need to be able to do some of these things. Well, and here's the interesting thing, you know, that right now we're very, like we were talking about before, we're very sensitive about how people feel about each other and how we address each other and how do we speak to each other as people, you know, and we can get mind boggling. Um, there's a song in Gigi that we are not doing called Thank Heaven for Little Girls. And because a lot of people have a problem yeah. with that song now. And that was made famous in the movie, right? If you say to people, name me a song from Gigi, that's probably one of the ones that they can mm. whistle, right? Yeah. When they did the revival of Gigi a couple of years ago on Broadway with Vanessa Hudgens, that song was given to her aunt and her grandmother. 
It was not sung by a man talking about how beautiful little girls grow up to be. They changed some of the lyrics to be more about, you know, that we're responsible for turning her out to be a, a a human being of, of quality and, you know, a good, good, you know, yeah. person of society. And so they changed it, you know, and they kind of went through that too and paint your wagon. So I, now did you, have you ever seen the movie, the paint your wagon? Movie? It's been years. It's I don't terrible. have it off the top of my head. <laughs> it's really terrible, but, uh, it's noteworthy because that is a movie where Clint Eastwood sings. Yes. Yes. He plays a, a character called partner, in there now, any everybody knows who Clint Eastwood was, and when he was in his young, younger days, he was very strapping and square jawed and mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, just the poster child for yeah. all American. And in Paint Your Wagon, the character that he is in the movie that's called Partner in the original Broadway show is called Julio, and oh, he's wow. a Mexican immigrant who has come to California in the Gold Rush <laughs> to seek his fortune and to establish himself. So we go from. Um, a character, a tenor of color, a Mexican immigrant to Clint Eastwood, Eastwood, not a Mexican immigrant and certainly not a tenor. And they lowered all the keys for him. That was Hollywood of that era, you know, Hollywood of of that era. And so we really wanted to have, I talked to the trees in there because that's one of the most famous songs from that, from that show. But I had Mm -hmm. a really, really hard time with it. I struggled with that a lot because Dennis is more of a, a Clint Eastwood blonde with yeah. blue eyes than he is a Julio. Yeah. But I felt that the song was significant. And so we're going to address it in the narration and yeah. try to say, you know, this is how things evolve. And and this goes back to your research. And that's why I always like talking to you about these things because I learn, <laughs> I learn so much about it because I'm not... Uh, I'm we're going to have to get you in, in a sea glass production. Oh, I'm going to find something for you. My goodness. <laughs> Um, I bet if I get the Standard Times staff behind me, <laughs> I'm going to train you, and we're going to get you into production. Train me. So I'll, I'm tell, train I'll you. tell you a story. One of my really good friends in college is a music education major at the mm-hmm. University of Tennessee, and we were on a road trip somewhere, and we're driving around, and uh, like she fell asleep in the passenger seat of the car, so I'm just kind of driving along, singing to the radio, and she turns over, she goes, you really are tone deaf, aren't you? <gasps> just out of the blue. And I, I always knew that I was a very poor singer. But the fact that she was trained and, you know, quickly just identified it in a moment. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to just be quiet now. No, well, but you know so. what? I have had a couple of students over the years come to me allegedly tone deaf. And a lot of it is for young gentlemen is because they cannot feel the voice in their mm. face. They cannot feel the placement. And so they <laughs> do that kind of a thing. And I had a young man who came to me like that could not match pitch to save his life. He graduated last year from uh, UMass Lowell with a, with a music production degree and he's uh he's a pretty decent singer fantastic so it, it can happen it Jerry. can happen all right it, it's, uh... i'm gonna find we're gonna have to talk about i'll say <laughs> well i do this to singers that i like i will often i'll have coffee with them and you know you're saying how do i find people yeah I, when i find people that i like i'll say to them tell me what's on your wish list hmm. what's your bucket list because very rarely do we get that as yeah. artists most of the time it's you audition for something or you've had a really you know and they say we want you to do x very rarely do people come to you and say what would you like to do and I and I do ask my artist that tell me what's on your bucket list let me see I like to keep that in my little file cabinet in my head because you're right because most people you know set a show on okay this is going to sell tickets X number of tickets this is what we need right and it's interesting that you're kind of looking at it from the artist's point of view saying like what uh 
you know, what can, what can someone, you know, check off their bucket list? What can they be really excited about, uh, performing? Because then they're going to give a better performance. It's just right. natural that or if you're really excited about it. Or somebody's never expected them to do this particular genre or this style. And yeah. I'm going to bring, bring them into that particular type of thing. Very cool. Yeah. Well, uh, I won't be singing Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, <laughs> and we're all, we're all very thankful soon, for that. Myself but soon, included. dear public, Jerry will be performing with us soon. <laughs> don't, Patrice is threatening you. Don't, uh, don't buy into it. But, uh, <laughs> Thank you, Patrice, for coming in. Thank you very much. Tuesday and Thursday, Tuesday at Cape Cod. Yes. At uh, Dennis? Dennis Union Church, Thank right you. on 6A. So if you want to take a gorgeous drive on the old Kings Highway 6A, it's beautiful. And there's a great cafe next door called Scargo Cafe. Tell them I sent you. Okay. And uh, fabulous food. And then come over for the show. We all need to check out the Cape before summer ends anyway. So, yeah. I've been uh, spending a fair amount of time there yeah. for this show. And I, I love the Cape, but I, I do love my New Bedford area. Mm-hmm. Too, and so then Thursday to uh, to avoid the mosquitoes, to avoid any threat of the truth. Believe you're moving to Fairhaven for the Thursday night show. Starts what time? Uh, set, they both start at seven okay. o'clock. The doors open at six thirty, and the board the board of Sea Glass Theater Company will be there to answer all your questions. And uh, you know we take credit cards and cash and check, and we'll be there to answer any questions. And I love meeting people after the show. Wonderful. Really do. Thank you again for coming in. Thank you.